Welcome to the 19th ESC Every Soldier Counts podcast. Wherever you find American troops today, you'll find the men of the Transportation Corps. Enough and on time. That's the story we tell you today. The story of the Army Quartermaster Corps. These youthful servicemen are members of the Army's Military Police Corps. One of the most important forces behind the lines. The Army Ordnance Corps. Welcome once again to the Every Soldier Counts podcast. My name is Sergeant First Class Adam Ross, Public Affairs NCOIC for 19th Expeditionary Sustainment Command, and thank you for joining us again today. Um, on today's episode, we we always try to branch out from 19th ESC. Sometimes we have a lot of uh, special partner units, allies in Area 4, and today we welcome the Command Sergeant Major of 403rd Army Field Support Brigade. Okay, I got it. Okay. So, and that is Command Sergeant Major Christopher Reeves. Sergeant Major, thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you, Sergeant Ross, for having me this morning. Okay. I always I always think I have that acronym right in my head, but it, it never sounds right. <laughs> so, thank, thank you. you. Right. I can understand. Okay. And so, um, 403rd is one of our uh, very important allies down here in, in across the peninsula, really, and even extending beyond the peninsula. Um, and we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later. But first, uh, off mic, we started talking a little bit about your uh, what brought you to the army sergeant major so um you you one of the vanishing few now that enlisted before 9-11 so you enlisted in the the late 90s can you tell us a little bit about what brought you to the army okay yeah uh sergeant ross uh, very good question uh so kind of you know part of our earlier conversation uh i graduated high school in in 95 uh, went off to a community college uh, that was you know near my hometown um, and i in my mind, I want to be an x-ray technician. Uh, so I applied for the x-ray program, got into the program, uh, was doing fine, um, made it to our clinical rounds, and we were rotating between you know, different areas. So I did my time taking x-rays, uh, where you really focus a lot on proper positioning of the patient, uh, how to develop film. Uh, as we were talking about, you know, x-rays today are instant. Uh, back in the late 90s, you actually, you know, once you took the x-ray, you have to take the cartridge into the dark room, you know, open the, the cassette, take the film out, um, dip it in the chemicals, hang it to dry, kind of like you see in, in movies of people developing film. Um, X-rays were done that way. Um, so I finished that and I moved to kind of the patient prep um, portion of my clinical rounds. And uniquely on that day, I did three barium enemas. So if anyone knows what an enema is, um, they were not fun. <laughs> uh, so I did three of those in a day, and I just self-reflected, and I was like, man, I don't think I can do this for the rest of my career. Uh, so I, I went back and talked to my professor, and was like, hey, I think I want to do something else. Um, I don't enjoy this portion of it. Um, and so I changed to just general science um, after I withdrew from the x-ray program. Uh, yeah, they, uh, I think most of us in our minds, we think of x-rays, we think of like broken bones, you know, on you know, right. legs and arms, but it's a lot more than that, obviously. It does, you know, mm -hmm. so whether it's lower GI or upper GI, and in this instance, we were doing lower GI, so, you know, it was pretty gruesome um, experience, and I was like, no, I'm, I'm not doing this. Mm -hmm. um, and around the same time, my father, uh, who was a Vietnam vet, 
uh, he became ill with cancer. Um, and one of his goals or his dreams, I guess you could say, between my sister and I, he wanted one of us to experience the military. Um, he always reflects back on his time in Vietnam. And, and granted, that was a difficult time, um, you know, in our history, especially for Vietnam vets, uh, you know, the unfriendly welcome they receive when they return. But he had great things to say about just the camaraderie, the relationship, and the experiences that he had. And was your father a draftee, or was he en enlisted? So another unique thing about that, um, he was definitely slated to be drafted, uh, but he volunteered in order to finish high school. Uh, so he was a senior at the time, and if he had been drafted, he would not have graduated. Uh, so because he volunteered, he was able to work out a date that was after his graduation. So he graduated high school and shipped off to Vietnam. Hmm. Yeah, yeah my, my father-in-law was a little similar to that. He he would have been drafted, but he, he, al he al already had a college degree, so he volunteered to go to OCS. A okay, <laughs> little yeah. different. Yeah. Smart move. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so when you growing up then, hearing these stories from your father, he wanted you one of you to join the Army, but did you ever think that was something you could see yourself doing or your, your sister, did she think? Not at all. Mm. Um, that was the farthest thing from my mind. Um, but once he became ill with cancer and the prognosis was not good, um, he passed away while I was in, in college. Mm. Uh, so really, um, that was kind of a dark point in my life. You know, 18, father just died. Um, you know, I changed my major in, in college and was trying to search for meaning in life. Uh, so really, out of dedication to my father, I decided to go down to the recruiting station and join the Army. Hmm. Yeah. And so did you have any idea of what you wanted to, what MOS you wanted or anything like that, or you just wanted to join? Um, so I didn't know much about the MOSs, so when I started talking with the recruiter, um, he talked to me about all the different MOSs, and as soon as I heard light wheel vehicle mechanic, I was like, yes, that's what I want to do. Hmm. Um, because I, I did auto mechanics in Votec in high school, I uh, worked at a auto mechanic shop, worked at a savage yard during the summer. Uh, so I knew a lot about, you know, maintenance vehicles and troubleshooting. Uh, mm -hmm. So that's what I chose. And I joined the Army as a 63 Bravo, which is now a 91 mm -hmm. Bravo. Right. And so do you think that experience helped you in your time at, like, AIT when you were le learning the, 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 the skills? Oh, absolutely yeah. did. Mm -hmm. um, I managed to, so both, uh, well, for AIT, I was, my class is distinguished undergraduate. Uh, so I think having that experience oh, yeah. uh, helped me, I won't say breeze through AIT because, mm -hmm. you know, drill sergeants were relentless, uh, but I understood and could comprehend, I believe, the information probably quicker uh, than most of my, my peers who had no mechanical maintenance experience. Hmm. And then, so Sergeant Major, you, you get to your first unit, and how soon when you got there did you know that deploying was, was in your future? Uh, probably within... I'll say the week of arrival. Um, so August of 98, I report to 112 Cav, 1st Cavalry Division, um, unit with a very proud history. Um, and part of them processing, once I met my team leader, squad leader, it's like, hey, we're slated to deploy to Bosnia in March. So literally, that was only months away. Mm -hmm. um, so as soon as I got all of my equipment, got oriented to the unit, um, we went to NTC, GRTC, um, internal field training exercise to the uh, to the brigade. Uh, then we deployed in, in March at Nevada. So you were just go 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 ever when you got boots on ground at Fort Hood. Basically, it sounds like a absolutely. That, I, that's that's interesting. They sent you to both training centers. We, we, we did, yeah. <laughs> which I think 
actually made, it definitely prepared us for the deployment, but it kept us busy as well. So we didn't have time, you know, idle minds and, you mm-hmm. know, you start wondering about things and, you know, how's it going to be? So training, 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 deploy. And when you heard Bosnia, had you been following the conflict much or did you know much about what was going on over there? Not at all. <laughs> you know, I was in college, father passed, decided to join the Army. So world affairs was not really, you know, my, my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so absolutely did not know anything about the conflict in Bosnia. And so what what are, what are some of your memories then from that deployment? Uh, really, uh, uh, some of the things were, you know, the, the people were very welcoming. So, you know, the, the local nationals, if you will, they were very welcoming. Um, beautiful country. Um, but we did have many nights of having to jump out of our, you know, our cots and go to the air raid bunker as there were mm-hmm. MiGs flying overhead and, oh, wow. you know, U.S. aircraft launching the intercept. Um, and there was a few aircraft shot down while I was over there. Um, so it was a great experience, but it was one that I took seriously and I think helped prepare me for future deployments. Uh, one the interesting thing about my deployment is towards the end is really when the conflict in Kosovo kicked off. So as we were preparing to leave um, our rotation in Bosnia, the first units were gearing up for Kosovo as well. Uh, but you, you never made it to one of those deployments, right? The Kosovo. Not the Kosovo. Okay. So, right. Yeah, yeah, definitely an interesting time over there. Um, And then, but was it, is there a time uh, in the early career when you were thinking that maybe you could make this, um, be in it for the long haul, make it a full career? Or what was was the young uh, uh, Sergeant Reeves like then? Uh, Really? I don't. I can't say I was looking at the future. It was taking it one day at a time and, you know, trying to figure out if this Army life was for me, uh, given that, you know, my thoughts, like I said earlier, was I want to be an X-ray technician. That's not even what I chose, you know, as a, a Army MOS. I chose mm-hmm. something that I enjoyed doing. Um, but the buns, the camaraderie, and the experiences of that deployment and just how welcoming uh, my battalion was uh, when I showed up, uh, made me think like, hey, maybe there's something to this Army thing. And the next thing you know, I was re-enlisting. Um, and 24 years you know, later, or altogether, I would say I'm still in the Army, uh, enjoying what I'm doing. And so you mentioned your, your dad's recollections of his, the camaraderie he found during his service. So in those early days then, were, were you kind of, um, did that spark something in you, kind of you know, seeing what your dad was talking about, maybe experiencing it yourself? I think it probably did. Um, he, you know, had fun memories and, very, and spoke very highly of his battle buddies, if you will. Um, so, you know, his experiences and me being able to get something similar to that uh, while honoring him at the same time and a way to provide for myself, um, I was like, okay, let me let me give this a try. And I think it did uh, pique my interest into, you know, let me give the, the military a shot and see what it's about. And so looking over your biography, Sergeant Major, so obviously lots of deployments over the years, probably lots of TDYs, but um, this was the first time you your family's been able to come with you um, on one of these overseas tours. Is that right? That's correct. Right. So what, what was that like then, seeing that this was a possibility, moving to Korea with your family? So initially um, a little disappointing because of the timing. Uh, so I spent my first 11 months here on the company. Uh, my daughter was a senior in high school, uh, getting ready to graduate. Uh, my wife was working. Uh, she's a medical laboratory technician. She was working at Fort Lee. Uh, so timing just was not good to move the family. 
Uh, so my daughter graduated high school. She started college at William & Mary in the fall. Um, and then I did the command sponsorship paperwork and got them over in December, just right before Christmas. So that made up for the 11 months of being, mm-hmm. you know, separated. So, so yeah. William and Mary, excellent school, uh, by the way, in, in Virginia. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And so I, I need to bring this up because we um, we have our retention team on sometimes to talk about this. So were you able to allow your daughter to use your GI Bill? Absolutely. College yeah. is too expensive. Yeah. So, yes. Uh, so I transferred, uh, you know, my post 9-11 GI Bill to her, uh, which she's using. She's taking advantage of that. Uh, the BAH allowance helps offset some oh, of yeah. the costs that's not covered, you know, just general tuition. Um, the stipend for books and materials, we use that because um, William Mary is a fairly expensive school. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some small expenses I have to come out of pocket for, but the, the post 9-11 GI Bill is, is money. It's worth um, every bit. Yeah, that, that's something I, I talk to soldiers about all the time. I was able to um, give it all to my son. He's, he's going to start high school next year, but it's it's one of those where you have to, if you're kind of in the middle of your career, you have to look at the requirements for uh, being able to transfer those benefits because there's some specific things you need to do. But yeah, one, if you could take advantage of it, it's it's uh, makes a world of difference for your your family for sure. Absolutely. And so um, so what what's it's um, let, let's talk about uh, coming to Korea Sergeant Major. So when you saw the unit you were going with, had you worked with uh, these sort of brigades before? Had any experience with a, an AFSB? Uh, nope. That's also funny. Uh, so zero experience. Um, I often joke when I you know talk to people that uh, prior to coming here, I couldn't spell AFSB. Um, <laughs> had had no idea what it was. Uh, my experiences had primarily been a force com, um, a trade doc assignment, but pre- the predominance of my career had been spending special operations. Um, so AFSB was a foreign animal, if you ask me. And then coming to Korea, um, you hear all the stories about Korea as a young soldier, definitely in the 90s, late 90s when I came in. Like you didn't really hear anything positive about Korea. Uh, so I, you know, had my, um, you know, just doubts about how the rotation was going to be. Um, but really, now that I'm here, it's like, man, this is a hidden gem. Mm-hmm. I truly enjoy Korea. Uh, the culture, the people, uh, and the brigade is awesome. Uh, so learning what an Army Field Support Brigade does um, has really been a great enlightening opportunity. And uh, let's talk about that a little, Sergeant Major. So we, we had uh, your commander, Colonel Renard, on before, and she touched on some. But just so um, it's impo- I don't think a lot of people appreciate the broad mission it, the 403rd really has here. So really – you touch kind of on every daily life, you know, and daily missions here in Korea with with your battalions, what they do. Absolutely. Uh, I agree. And I'm learning more things like day by day. Uh, so to your point, uh, one of the things that the average soldier or civilian w- would be able to associate with um, is our brigade across the peninsula as well as in Japan is responsible for the shipping and receiving of household goods, uh, the vehicle processing centers where POVs are shipped and received. Um, you know, we do official passports at Camp Humphreys. Um, we work in the warrior restaurants, so we provide dining facility attendants, which do primarily the, the cleaning, dishwashing, things like that. We're responsible for maintaining the equipment um, in the dining facilities that are not part of the real estate. Uh, we, we do a whole host of things, um, you know, Army Preposition Stock 4, which is at Camp Carroll, mm. and portions of it is in Japan. Uh, then we, our battalion at Camp Humphreys uh, provides direct support to 2nd Infantry Division. Um, so we, you know, again, everything from the strategic level 
all the way down to making sure rations are ordered properly for the warrior restaurants. And then I know uh, Colonel Renard talked about CIF. That's yeah, that's you guys as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a big one that most people don't associate. Uh, I mean, I just take myself. So as a soldier, I've never associated that a army unit was responsible for uh, the CIF, household goods, and the vehicle processing center. You know, I always thought those are either contracted services by the the government or the civilians. You know, manage those. Uh, now, truly, most of those are managed by civilians, but they they. F- a brigade asset so an army unit is responsible for those which is pretty unique yeah and i'm experiencing that right now because i'm getting ready to pcs myself and so i think it's a huge asset for everyone in korea that um with those elements like vehicle processing center and the uh, household goods counselors like they have all this institutional knowledge you know with how it all works you know that just getting you successfully processed and getting you where you need to go. Absolutely. And and it's a good segue, if I may, just so just mm-hmm. a word of advice for those that are preparing to, to PCS. Uh, thankfully, uh, we really haven't experienced many issues in Korea with um, availability of workers, blocking, embracing material, uh, things like that for shipping household goods, um, unlike what's been experienced, CONUS. Uh, so there are delays in CONUS. Um, Arm Sustainment Command, Installation Management Command are both working very hard to offset those. Uh, but we're, we're really lucky to be in Korea in terms of shipping our household goods. However, one, one underutilized benefit that soldiers, um, civilians have available to them is the inconvenience claim. Uh, so when you sit with your counselor and you schedule your household good pickup and shipment on the other end, um, there's a required delivery date that's in your paperwork. When the transportation service provider misses the required delivery date, um, the service member is authorized an inconvenience claim. Um, that can come in multiple ways. So it can be a per diem payment based on number of days the, your household goods has exceeded the required delivery date, or it can be in the form of reimbursement of critical items that had to be purchased due to delays with receiving your household goods. Uh, but your counselor Uh, can provide all the details because there are some nuances there that must be understood and ensure that you're properly reimbursed or you don't go out and purchase unauthorized items. And I'd also say for people coming in, um, like when I first got here, I needed to file a claim for um, our, our one of our high high value items was was broken, and right. the counselor you have here, you know, walked me right through the process and told me what I needed to do, and uh, the the advice that I give to people now is if you're coming here and you have a high priced electronics item, and you can try to turn it on or see if it's damaged while the movers are still there, right. because they they you can actually get reimbursed while that moving company is is there like in your house too. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so Sergeant Major, uh, what, what, the other thing we were going to talk about, so you talked about leaving college um, to join the army, but you've managed to kind of bring it full circle during your career. So you, you did get, earn your bachelor's degree. It wasn't an x-ray technician, right. but you, you completed it through distance learnings. So what was your experience like with that? Uh, correct. So I finished my environmental science degree with uh, Southern New Hampshire University. Uh, so I guess that also ties back to our when I originally started college. I've always had a love of science um, and just how things worked. Um, so uh, it took a while before I took the leap of faith. Um, again, I did this, uh, started while I was in the special operations. So that's why I had a lot of my deployments. 
um, very fast paced, always TDY training, doing something. Um, so I had doubts that I could do it. Um, but I worked up the, the courage, you know, talking with the education counselor. I started off with one class, and I figured, hey, inch by inch, everything's a cinch, you know, following mm-hmm. that kind of cliche. So I just started with the first class. Um, and I found a way to carve out time. Uh, now, it did take time on the weekends, time in the evenings. Sometimes I get up, you know, early in the morning before other people arrive in the house. Um, but I managed to finish, um, you know, all my classes, um, even with a 4.0 and, you know, got Latin honors um, for my graduation. Oh, uh, so that awesome. was a very significant mm-hmm. uh, milestone. Uh, took some time, but if you set a goal and just work towards it, eventually you can achieve it. Yeah, congratulations, Sergeant Major. And I would say as someone who's who's also doing distance learning, um, an advantage we have in Korea is just with the time zone, we get a little bit extra for those assignment for those deadlines, Absolutely. you know, so, <laughs> so we can take advantage of that. And then I, I would also say um, with with anyone looking to do distance learning now, I think the Army's new website for it, Army Ignited, it, it had some stumbles when it was first introduced, but now I think it's it's very user friendly, very easy to find um, for uh, getting tuition assistance applied uh, to those those college classes. So yeah, those ca- counselors are out there who can help you for sure. Absolutely. And then I would just say for anyone that you know maybe has doubt about starting college or finishing college, um, they can try their hands at a credential. Um, so the Army, you know, redid the policy so tuition assistance can be applied towards credentialing, which you can also find at the Army Ignited website. Um, so there's a lot of credentialing opportunities that are available for soldiers. They remove the restriction that you kind of have to stay within your MOS, so really the entire catalog is open. And, uh, and, and yeah, absolutely, Sergeant Major. And, and with that, I would add that I, I was recently looking at that side of Army Ignited too. And you, even though you don't have to stick to your MOS, you can search by your MOS, and it'll tell you, you know, credentials right. that are out there, right. how to get it, and what's what's involved, and how to pay for. Yeah, just lots of self development tools out there for soldiers. Right. And um, so, one last thing, Sergeant Major. So we're we're uh, recording this in the summer. This will come in the middle of summer. This will come out a little bit later. But um, any anywhere in Korea, you're trying to take the family to any any trips this summer trying to get out over to so actually um prior to my daughter coming it was just the the good a good time for us to you know kind of take a little leave my wife and i went to jeju and so we spent uh, about four days there Um, but the big trip we're taking actually we start leave this weekend Hmm. we're heading to thailand oh Uh, so we're going to spend seven days in thailand um touring the sites there and you know being mindful of COVID. So yep. we don't get stuck in Thailand, um, but we're going to take our, that'll be our big trip for the summer. Okay. Right. Well, yeah, have fun with that. So the, yeah, lots of uh, opportunities for families here in Korea, you know, where you can go, not as big a flight, you know, time of the year than you would have coming from Conus, you know, just right. <laughs> kind of in our backyard. Okay. Well, uh, I want to thank uh, Command Sergeant Major Christopher Reeves. Thanks for stopping by and uh, thanks for everything 403rd does that helps keep uh, Team 19 rolling. All right, so Ross, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. All right, and don't forget to subscribe to the Every Soldier Counts podcast wherever you get your podcasts so you don't earn us, so you don't miss a single episode. We'll talk to you next time. <laughs>